I have cried twice in my life. Once when I was seven and I was hit by a school bus. And then again when I heard that little Sebastian had passed. His memory will live on as today we light a fire that will burn on for eternity. Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. The story behind the, the Trevor Noah book over there is interesting. I haven't read it yet, but it's called Born a Crime. Right. Do you know why it's called that? From South Africa. And, well, in the product of a of a biracial relationship. Oh, right. That's, yeah, that's what and it that means. was illegal at the time, too. Right. Yeah, and so he... I've heard him tell stories on, I guess it was on like Fresh Air or something. He was talking about how... Um, comedian, comedians and cars getting coffee. Oh, was it there? There was, he he went into it a little bit there. Yeah, just about how like it was perfectly ordinary for his mom to just go to jail for two weeks. Right. Because they would, they would see her with her son. Or right. Her partially white son or whatever. Because I right. think it was his mom was black and his dad was white or something. Yeah. That's so I was, crazy. I was not ready for you because I was so enthralled in that show yeah it's pretty uh it was a pretty deep show and and a show that leaves you still guessing well and i mean that's that's how they create anticipation and excitement i guess Mm -hmm. so this is the oa which until 24 hours ago i'd never heard of no until 12 hours ago i hadn't heard of it um and then I saw a couple things on Facebook. I, I I was telling you earlier, Chris Hardwick was hosting with Kelly today. Right. He's great at that, by the way. Yeah, I, I'd like to see that. Do you watch it every day? No. Well, I have this talk show fetish where I go through the YouTube channel of every daily talk show just to see if the guests are good. Oh, sure. Um, so I do all the late night shows and then I do the corny daytime shows as well. So I always check and see what's going on with her. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I've kind of become curious about her pursuit of another co-host and i don't know if this has actually been tossed around or if it's even a thing people have considered but i'm kind of of the mind that she shouldn't get a new co-host right i think it's probably tossed around now that michael strahan didn't stay how long is michael strahan there for a couple years because who was it after after regis was it just michael yeah but there was a long period of search in the middle too yeah i just think that for the sake of freshness in the show She's so good with so many different people. They can have Anderson do it a lot, but he doesn't have to commit to it forever. Same with Neil Patrick Harris, Jeff Probst, Chris Hardwick, all these like really charismatic, interesting guys, but it doesn't have to get stale. Mm -hmm. Anderson Cooper, I remember, was the one my mom really wanted to take it last time. Well, and last time he might have taken it, but he had just started his own daytime talk show. Right. It was an afternoon talk show, which is that now canceled? It's canceled, yeah. I wonder if he would now. Has he been the co host at all recently? Oh, yeah, he's definitely oh, come okay. through, definitely since the election. Yeah. But he was really busy throughout the election. Sure, yeah. Uh, anyway, Hardwick is really good, and they talked about cool. the OA. She she binged the whole thing, and he's like, oh, yeah, I binged it two weeks ago, which would have been wow. like exactly when it came out. Yeah. And uh, I can see how it would attract this. I mean, it's going for the same kind of thing Stranger Things was going for, right? I think so, too. Supernatural yeah. thriller set in a very grounded real world. Although you knew pretty much right away what Stranger Things was about, whereas after watching the first episode of this, you're still a little, you're not, you're yeah, you're still kind of confused about That's what's going to happen in the show. You, well, okay, so you've only watched the one? I've only watched the one. I wanted to watch the next episode, yeah. and I would have, but I had to come over here. <laughs> 
you could have stayed away because I didn't get to watch everything I wanted to watch. Um, so you were you were pulled in enough that you're definitely going to keep going. Yeah, definitely. Do you know anything about this this actress Britt Marling? Have you seen her? No, but before? I think she's one of the producers on it too. I and so is Brad too. Pitt. Oh, interesting. And I think there was another. I wanted to say Jeremy Renner was on there as an, a producer, but it isn't it kind of weird how three quarters of the way through they kind of did the the credits. Well, I know. I th- I kind of thought the show was ending. I thought that was the end of the show too. I paused it and I realized there was still like twenty minutes left. And what was the point of that? What? It, what do you think? Led I think them it to was do that? because. They were, you know, shows sometimes show credits at the beginning and yeah. the story's a little bit more explained at the beginning, but yep. this show did a really good job of keeping you guessing. And by the time it actually got to any clue about who the main character was when she was telling her story, that's when the credits rolled in. Yeah. You know, I, I that's what I picked up from it. Well, I guess the biggest question you're left with at the end of this episode is, or I, I guess it, you do get some clarity, but... At least throughout most of the episode, you're wondering, does she have any idea who she is? She keeps saying, my name's not Prairie. My name is the OA. Right. Um, and you get a feeling for the supernatural a little bit in the show. But she's she knows her parents. Yeah. She knows her house. Like, I really loved that moment where she didn't recognize her house or she didn't feel at home until she stepped inside and closed her eyes. Right. And felt her toes in the carpet. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's really nice. So this is, it's not like... A body snatchers thing. It's well, not no. like she's come back a different spirit inside her body. Well, at that point, I was still confused, though. I wasn't sure that she thought that those were her parents. Yeah. Like, I I kind of thought it was a bit of a body snatchers thing up until the credits rolled, where it was like, oh, okay, no, this is the same girl. Right. Like, I thought she woke up in someone else's body kind okay. of thing because she could now see which, where she was blind before apparently yeah and she went missing in this house yeah which was also in america and the parents are like foster parents so what happened to the russian upbringing that she originally had in 87 well and how come she didn't remember it before her seven-year absence like it seems like she's just come back having remembered it right isn't that the sense you get um I feel like she's just withholding the information from her parents, who are the only ones who are really asking about it. Right. So I think she knew kind of all along. Wouldn't it have been weird if, I mean, this is not what the show's about, but it would have been weird if she had just been claimed by the wrong parents because she didn't know what they looked like. Well, there's so many weird things. Like they say she went missing for seven years. Yeah. And you get the feeling that, like in the early part of the episode, you, you get the feeling that she's kind of been abducted yes, and been abused. And well, stuff. You assume that's who this guy Homer is. Like she's got some kind of Stockholm syndrome right. and she misses her captor. Right. But then at one point you see the video with Homer being a high school football player and the date on the YouTube video is 2007. So, and there's a reference in her little heaven vision mm-hmm. as a little girl in Russia where they say you're going to know a great love. Right. So is that who she's talking about? Exactly, yeah. And, and when she's talking to the police at the beginning of the show, I hope this is clear to the listener. <laughs> the really, we you can't talking. listen to this podcast without watching the first episode yeah. of the OA because it's just too confusing. But after, when they're, they're talking to the police at the beginning and the police are questioning her, um, yeah, it seems like she she said that we've all died. We all died so many times. Yeah. 
And that was kind of where I thought, okay, she's definitely in someone else's body. Sure. Or, or it's like a resurrection thing. She, right. Like, that's the thing. The first time we see her die, this weird spirit fairy lady yeah. is like, do you want to go back? Right. And then she goes back. Yeah. So how much more does that happen to her and why? And, and what is the whole kind of seance thing at the end where everyone has to leave their doors open? Yeah. Literally leave their doors open and go. There's so many questions. Like it's so it's so crazy that I want to keep watching it. And what are her powers? Like she seems to be able to affect the will of creatures. Well, it seems like she's she's also able to travel through different dimensions because remember when she's talking to the teacher who was Phyllis? Yeah. From the office. I know that was really jarring. Yeah, I mean, it was great. It was nice she, to see her in a serious role. She was role. good. I liked it. Yeah, but it was like this is going to take me a second. Yeah. And she says to, basically, there's kind of a a high school kid in the show who's a dickhead. He's, he's troubled. like a huge bully. Yeah. But obviously, he's going to be a big part of the show. Um, but she's saying how she wants to suspend him. And and the uh, this girl's name is Prairie in the yeah. show. Or the OA. Right. The OA in the show goes, pretends to be his mom and goes and talks to the teacher Phyllis. Yeah. Or his stepmom. Right. Guess. Yeah. And is trying to reason out why she should give this troubled kid another chance. And she uh, starts talking in all kinds of weird language. Yeah. And she, well, and she also says, Oh, like she basically starts doing the dimension talk where she says, Oh, that's right. People in this dimension, you know, this dimension's just so filled with grief and, yeah. and trouble and violence. Like no wonder he feels so lost. Right. Which sounds so crazy, and you're like, "What other dimensions are there? And do you try? Are you kind of a conduit to different uh, dimensions, or yeah, you know, maybe, or maybe she has just been she spent the last seven years learning about the other dimensions, right? Yeah, maybe, and, and longing I don't for know. them, or uh, yeah, or, or like, who was she with for the last seven years, and who died? And, I don't know. Uh, well, it's and it seems like she tried to. To jump off the bridge, yeah. To get another like pathway into. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, I wasn't trying to kill myself, or I was trying to go back or whatever. I was right. trying to kill myself Be- so that I could. Because when she she wakes up, her first question to the nurse is, "Did I flatline?" Yeah, and and the nurse says no, and she said, "Did you check the ambulance report?" Like she wants really badly to know if she flatlined, and also like she knows what questions to ask. Yeah, and then. Exactly. And then when it shows the video of the of the Homer guy who is the football star who becomes paralyzed and dies but gets brought back. Yeah. He says, Yeah, I flatlined. Like he's on the news afterwards and says, I flatlined, but I'm I'm here now and I'm planning on <laughs> winning the championship. That's the thing, is he's not talking to the reporters with all this fear and confusion like like the OA has, he knows what's going on. He's yeah. like, yeah, I died, but I'm back and it's going to be great. Like he seems to know what's up. Right. So, and, and at that point when she's watching that video on YouTube, when she finally gets the internet connected, she, right. she seems, she feels a bit of despair in that. Yes. Like she's like, oh my God, Homer, where are you? Right. What does that mean? Does that mean that that wasn't the actual guy that she was seeing because he reacted that way wait a second how do we know that guy was homer because it says his that was his name on the in the video role or whatever they say high school uh football star right or whatever right but she couldn't find out from the news report where he was specifically right i guess Uh, but i think well the thing was it was 2007 so i think they were 
together at that point. Oh. Because yeah, down down below it says like November seventh, two thousand seven or whatever. Okay. So you get the the impression that maybe they were maybe they knew each other at that point. Right. But the parents don't know about Homer, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. What about Steve, the, the the troubled bully teenager character? What do you think of him? I thought it was an interesting character. Um I liked how, you know, the first episode they weren't going after the young innocent kid who was being picked on. Right. They went for the the kid who was picking on other kids and showing the you know, that's a that's a stance not usually taken in the show. Sure. I mean my first reaction was this guy looks too wimpy to be the character he's clearly supposed to be. Right. Like he's got like dorky little blonde curls and the girl he's having sex with is like, You've got a great body and you smell great. And right. I'm like, does he? They made a point of showing uh his like they made a point of yeah showing him naked from behind to just be like okay i guess he's pretty jacked right i guess that's you know, true i think that's what they what they were trying to do and he says at one point you know i want to open up my own training gym specifically his face was just it didn't look it like looks the, he looks like such a little kid it didn't look like the face of a bully but right. then again that might be strategic because as it turns out he's a character who's going to have layers right. and we're going to explore some more i so think they so. want it to be a character you can trust i think so too and i think you also kind of got the uh you kind of got to see some of the layers like at one point you know he's a hardcore drug dealer in the the house and he sicks his dog on the oa right and then at another point he goes to like compliment that miles kid who's in the choir and say hey man your voice is amazing and And throw punches him (laughs) yeah your voice is amazing i think you should be famous yeah the guy basically tells him to screw off because he called his he made fun of his friend for being gay yep and then out of frustration and all of these feelings, the bully he turns around and throat punches him. Lacerates his trachea. To ruin his singing career. <laughs> yeah. No, he's just this really like uh, full of anger person. But that scene kind of illustrates everything we know about the character in, yeah. in two minutes. Because we see he wants to be compassionate. Right. And he wants to understand other people. And he wants to connect. Yeah. But when, when that it proves difficult, which mm-hmm. it always seems to do for him... Um, he just reacts with violence because it's the only thing he knows how to do. Right. And he punches through a wall earlier in the episode when the girl says she's going with Miles. So you see that point of anger too. And then the dad comes in and basically, while he's standing there naked, his dad uncomfortably is like, oh, uh, maybe (laughs) put some clothes on. Also, I got a call from your teacher and uh, she used the word bully. Right. So so it sets it up pretty early. And why is there a hole in my wall? Yeah. Which he said kind of flat, like, oh, we're doing this again. Right. This, right. You've been an ongoing problem. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about that character for sure. For sure. I think that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look any younger than the OA. Like, she's supposed well, that to be was, older. That was kind of the weird thing. She was supposed to play his mom. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how old and Like, two years older than this guy. his mom in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it had, uh, it just had a vibe similar to Stranger Things. It wasn't quite as cute as no, Stranger yeah. Things. I know uh, what you mean, though. It made me. Um... They were they were greenlit at the same time. Oh, were they? Yeah, like at the same at the same meeting, they were yeah. greenlit. They strategically probably started this one months after Stranger Things. Yeah, probably like six months uh, apart from from uh, releases. But I guess in episode four of the OA, they've got a TV on in the background and somebody's watching Stranger Things. <laughs> really. <laughs> like, that's a nod that didn't have to happen at all. Yeah, there's little stuff like that in Pixar movies where right. 
like little characters can be seen in the background from other Pixar movies. Oh, sure. Like I, the toys from Toy Story are in another... Boo's Bedroom and Monsters, Inc. or right. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little yeah, stuff exactly. like that. Just really just for the sake of fun. Just little mm-hmm. Easter eggs. Right. Um, so I think the two shows are comparable in that way. It's funny. My parents just watched Stranger Things. They oh, really? binged it. It must be the fastest they've ever watched a single series. Yeah. Um, and they enjoyed it. They didn't quite adore it as much as everyone else. Right. Like, I mean, they binged it. It's not like it was a struggle for them, but they were, they weren't free of criticism. Sure. Um, and one thing they pointed out was, you remember the scene in Stranger Things where they get chased by the bullies to the edge of that cliff and yes. one of the bullies pulls out a switchblade? Yeah. And I said to my mom, like, I mean, they they had similar stuff in Stand By Me. Like, it's not like they're the first people to go that far with right. the bully. Yeah. But it didn't bother me in, in Stranger Things that the bullies were over the top. It bothered me in the OA that the bully was over the top. I was like, okay, is the troubled kid also a murderer? Right. Well, yeah, once you let that dog go, Jen and I were, were watching, like, what the... F- yeah. Why is this... This guy's this evil? Yeah. Yeah. Right, and is this the first time he's ever... <laughs> but when a dog bites you, you just got to bite the dog back. That is what she proved to us. <laughs> and But she changed the will of the dog. Yeah. Like, she, like she, she got down close to like, the dog and she, like, sedated it. She like, did the same thing with Phyllis, the teacher. Yeah. Like, like she was, they were enemies, and then suddenly she shows up to the seance. Right. Which, what does that mean? I don't know. Yeah, I think she kind of adores the OA. I guess. Wasn't it, it weird how she was watching the, at one point, the OA's, uh, like, basically, I don't know if she's about to be apprehended, but they, they kind of think the jig is up because after doing the whole, yeah. the so, OA as the teacher thing. That's what I think. Yeah, but... Uh, but then she makes a really quick YouTube video of just like her eye and it says the OA dot move dot like movie on YouTube. Yeah. And cause Phyllis, let's call her Phyllis. Sure. Uh, Google's the OA and that video comes up and she's basically just like, I need help. <sighs> and and <laughs> Phyllis shuts her laptop really quick. Yeah. And Jen and I were like, good call. That was really creepy. Like, it was. We wouldn't be able to sit through that. The show is creepy. It's interesting. It's not a show that I want to watch by myself. Like if, if, if Becky were to watch the pilot, I'd be curious to watch the second one with her. Right. But because I get so creeped out by stuff. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have wanted to watch Stranger Things by myself either. Just because yeah. there's some stuff in it that's like, ugh. I think we're lucky on both of those shows. Like we were lucky to get into Stranger Things on the ground floor. Yeah. Because then it got way blown up after we watched it. To the point that I don't think we'd be able to enjoy it as much. Because everyone's talking about how great Stranger Things is. There's a moment in How I Met Your Mother like that. I don't know why this is my essential reference for, for that feeling. But uh, the sense of... Uh, being oversold on something marshall Mm -hmm. says to ted do you know why i didn't like jerry Maguire?" and ted says because you're dead inside and he says no because for three weeks you built it up kept telling me it was the greatest movie of all time and sometimes it just can't live up to that right and so this is why there are people who say harry potter sucks and why Mm -hmm. star wars sucks and why stranger things sucks game of thrones oh it's it's not that it sucks it's that they watch it and they go what am i missing this yeah, is, this is fine. Like, like it's it's really hard for the show to be, you know, the orgasm that you're expecting after yeah. after it being built up for so long. But we you know, really you like... need to go in with the expectation that this is a TV show. It's mm-hmm. fiction. Yep, you're about to watch a story on a big box that displays color. So 
Give it the benefit of the doubt. But that was beautiful, by the way. We <laughs> very whimsically just decided to watch Stranger Things in the same way we did with the OA. We were like, hey, I've heard these words put together a couple times, Stranger and Things. Right. It's a show. We should check it out. Yeah. And then two weeks later, it was the biggest thing in 2016 television. Oh, yeah. um, so I maybe mean, look at Halloween. Everyone was 11. I know. Everyone was 11. It was, it was a good costume. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I do recommend this show just because it's it, it. this is the age of mindfuck TV shows. Yeah. And you seem to like all those shows. I love it. I really love thinking. It's another thinking eight episode TV. series. It's very digestible. It's only eight. Okay. I think it's only eight or nine. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I, I would recommend checking it out. I, I might still continue to do more. It's funny. Uh, I started watching Supergirl the other night. Okay. Because the season one is on Netflix and I'm like, I like campy stuff i like superheroes why not watch this and i had a blast watching the pilot yeah. of, of supergirl yeah i sure. thought it was great that's cool i mean there's there's some shows that are just like that you know you can sit down you can watch like me i like i watched the episode of the twilight zone yeah and i found that very cool because it was kind of mind fucky too right which it wasn't a complicated plot or anything okay it was called where is everybody? Mm-hmm. That was what the show was called. I expected it to be a complicated plot because you assume Twilight Zone means mind bendy. Right. But this and, is the first time they did it. And in the end, it was a little bit more mind bendy than than the story. Like the three quarters of the story led you to believe. Sure. Because the story starts and it's just this guy walking down the road. And he's in full on like coveralls. Okay. And he's just walking and he goes to a cafe and there's no one there and there's like a cigar that's still smoking but there's no one around and he's okay. like asking for food and he's kind of like doing this out loud monologue or and it's black and white right so it's very like yeah directorially speaking it's it's kind of artsy fartsy yeah but it's not that was just because of the times sure it was it was 1959 that this show came out yeah so uh, he ends up kind of like walking around and you kind of learn through these, I guess, is it a soliloquy if they're not directly talking to the camera? Uh, no, it's just a, it's just a monologue. Okay. Soliloquy cool. has to do with beats. Oh, okay. It's a okay. rhythm thing. Yeah. So, so he's kind of doing these monologues, like where he's, where he's in the cafe kind of saying like, you know, I don't really remember who I am. Like he's almost talking as if there's someone else there okay. like in the next room, but like, Hey, like. Give me some eggs. I'm super hungry. Is he talking oh. to the audience though? Is he narrating? No. Okay. Um, yeah, there's no breaking of the fourth wall at okay. all. Um, and he says, ah, I like, don't really know who I am. Like, mm-hmm. he, And he's, it's kind of as if he's still kind of like taking the, or giving his order to whoever's back in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I just wish I knew what was happening and where is everyone? And then he like keeps walking down the road. Like he leaves the cafe, which is kind of haunting. He's alone. He's alone. Okay. And he flips the sign. You don't see anyone else. Right. And, uh, there's no cars around or anything. And then he goes to this small town and it's the same thing. There's a bunch of shops. No one's around. He goes into a phone booth and tries to call the operator and it's a recording. And, then he thinks he sees someone, but it's a mannequin and sitting inside a car for some reason, and he can't. <laughs> okay. And it's really bizarre. And then eventually he, you know, he has all these kind of lashings out of like, where is everyone? Like, yeah. Um, and then eventually he walks to, like, the lights come on outside, and there's a movie theater that lights up across the street, and he just runs to the movie theater and sees on the front, there's like a little poster 
uh, for a Rock Hudson movie where Rock Hudson is playing a, a pilot mm-hmm. and he's wearing the same overalls as he's wearing. He's like, oh my God, the Air Force, the Air Force. I'm in the Air Force. And then he runs inside the movie theater and he's, he's like, I'm in the Air Force. I'm in the Air Force. Why and does he think he's in the Air Force? Because he just he's remembered. Al- he's also wearing coveralls like Rock Hudson is in this poster. Okay. And I guess remembers. Um, but he doesn't actually remember, I don't think, or maybe he has the, the faintest idea. He just assumes he's in the Air Force. Yeah. And then, okay. he, and then he goes into the movie theater and the movie starts up on its own and he runs the projector like, who's in here? Like, where is mm-hmm. this coming from? And uh, then he runs outside and he falls and still there's no one. And then he like, it, sh- it shows him run to like a telephone pole that kind of has like a help or no it's a crosswalk pole and it has the button to walk and he's just like hitting it over and over like help help someone help okay help help let me out help 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 and then it shows this is like the last two minutes of the show it shows this room full of military guys watching on this video him push this button help 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 but it's not in the town and then it kind of pans and shows that they're looking at this kind of like a deprivation box. Oh. And the You're going to blow my mind if you tell me this episode is about fucking virtual reality in no. 1959. Well, honestly, it's not super far off of... Vir- well, no, it wasn't virtual reality. Okay, okay. What it was was the, the sergeant ends up saying like, okay, pull him out of there, pull him out of there. And he says something like, it's been 400 hours. So the whole thing is, this guy is a future astronaut. Oh, And they okay. were putting him in this like capsule-sized box right. because he was going to go to space. Right. And so the press comes in and they're like, how did he do? What happened? What happened? And he's like, he spent just over three weeks by himself in this box. So it was a dream? His like imagination started like just kind of running wild oh wow so he they basically had like ox they had a way of like getting food into him through like you know these like enzyme pills and uh exporting waste and pumping oxygen in so it was a hallucination exactly as a result of the solitary confinement yeah oh wow yeah so So is that is that a metaphor for the loneliness of the military i don't know what it's a metaphor for for, I think it's a metaphor for loneliness. Yes. And because at the end, he, he, he kind of looks at the sergeant and he's like, Sarge, it's not going to be this bad next time, is it? And because it's like ostensibly on the ship to space or whatever it yeah. is by himself. And the sergeant says, no, son, next time it's going to be worse because you're not going to have anyone with you. When he's in space. Right. So it's almost kind of foreshadowing. Sounds to me like this guy should not go. Right. <laughs> He's not cut out for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird. It kind of ends with him like looking up at the sky and he sees the moon and he kind of says like, uh, next time, like next time it's going to be me and you almost like talking like that's a person. But that was made 10 years before man went to the moon. Yeah. Isn't that, that's also kind of crazy. That's like crazy. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. It was cool. And I noticed like there's six seasons in the first episode there or in the first season. There's like, like 
25 episodes or something. Yeah. They're all just 25-minute little standalone things. I mean, it was a network primetime show, right? And yeah. We forget this because we watch such little network television nowadays. Right. Well, but those shows are still 22 to 26 episode seasons. And it's funny because that VR episode of uh, Black Mirror, the That's second what you're one, reminding me of with this story. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of when he just started screaming. It was yeah. like, mom, and They're like, mom, pull him out. Mom, mom. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ugh. <sighs> That's exactly what it reminded me so of. So it's actually a really great show, The Twilight Zone. I mean, at least for the sake of that um, sketch or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, vignette, is a really good one to have paired with the OA because they're both about this person who appeared in this world that they don't seem to understand, or at least they're not understood by the world. Yeah, that's a very good tie together. Except for that, The Twilight Zone is not unlike Black Mirror, or I guess you would say the other way around. In that new characters, new actors, new performers, new right. settings, new Those would have been good time. shows to pair together, too. Of course. But the OA, like any science fiction show, can basically be paired with The Twilight Zone, I think. Just because uh, I didn't have the time, I wasn't able to watch The Twilight Zone pilot, but I want to go back and watch it perhaps this evening just so that I will have the opportunity to check another uh, classic show off the list. Yeah. But uh, it sounds awesome. It was very cool. Like, if that was the first episode, I'd like to see what, you know, a random episode in season three is like. Right. You know, what was the golden age of the Twilight Zone? What was considered the best season? I think there are people who who are kind of uh, Twilight Zone files. Yeah. Like, they they really know the show inside out. Yeah. They really believe in it. I see why. It's some very cool science fiction. Mm. And unprecedented for the time. Right. Like, if you look at sitcoms, we talked about this a lot. Everything was so wholesome, mm-hmm. and cop shows were so formulaic. Yeah. And, and for a, a TV show, a, a cult or otherwise, yeah. to be so out of the box yeah. and so experimental in the advent of television itself yeah. is pretty fucking cool. And you would really appreciate some of the nuances of the show, too, because it begins with the narrator saying, like, we begin in our time, our place. Like, you know, it's basically like this is happening in our time. Yeah. And uh, it's like a man finds himself walking down the road. Like, and it's Rod Serling, I guess, who's yeah. the narrator. Yeah. But he also wrote that episode. I think Rod Serling wrote a lot of the Twilight Zone. He was yeah. the genius behind the show. And then it ends with like, like, hang on for a sneak peek at the next episode. And it's just Rod Serling sitting kind of in a living room chair. Yeah. And he says something to the effect of like, Join us next week when our story is about, uh, like, Gabriel, a man who manufactures toys, like this one. And he has a little toy in his hand. And he's like, what does he say? Like, but he'll go against his rival, Dr. Doom. Or something. Yeah. (laughs) And that's just where it ends. Isn't it funny when you see the thing that you've seen? (laughs) You've seen it... um, parodied so many times yeah. but you've never actually seen the thing itself right like a, like a creepy man sitting in an armchair yes. in a smoking jacket right is the thing you've seen on snl how many times yeah but in person in black and white and it's so he's got kind of such a creepy smile like uh yeah but, and i think he did i think rod serling did something like like uh one of those missing people shows later on okay where he was kind of like, this girl went out on her own and was never found again. Like a, like a true story? No, no. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Like a true story. Yeah. Like 2020 styles. <laughs> but in, in like the 70s or 80s. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that documentary, The Imposter? 
No, I haven't seen it. I've heard about it. I watched it. It's another thing that's like not my cup of tea, just speak for right. its themes of, of terror. Yeah. But it's fascinating. Um, when did you watch it? I watched it when we were living in Kentville. Oh, okay. So a long time ago. Yeah, Tony Levy recommended it right. to me. He was sure. like, oh, you got to watch this crazy thing. And I was like, okay. So I watched it and it was fascinating. Yeah. I don't really want to spoil it, but it's essentially the story of this kid, this little boy goes missing and he's missing for a long time. And then he shows up again. Right. And the family's thrilled that he's returned after like years. Right. I think he's been gone for literally years and it's a miracle that he came back. But let's not forget that the documentary is called the imposter. So I think you called the imposter your mind can kind of do And everybody else is like, it would know why it's called the imposter, but really? the family seems totally unfazed. It's, it's <laughs> very haunting and watch the, the trailer if nothing else. But if you're a documentary person, the imposter, I think, won an award. I think it won really? something big and fancy. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of awards and big and fancy things. Right. Uh, should we talk Golden Globes? Let's do it. Which are this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a, now of I, a award show junkie. Sure. I meant to look at the... the tv sides of everything but i haven't yet i only i just have a list right here of the uh it's one of those things where they list all the nominees who right. will win and who should win right uh, i love those yeah me too this is forbes.com so we'll we'll go through movies first and i'll just top to bottom because everything is pop culturally relevant great uh best picture drama they've got hacksaw ridge that's the mel gibson movie yep hell or high water lion manchester by the sea moonlight mm-hmm. uh those are the dramas moonlight seems to be the one that i think has gotten the most love so they're, far. They're predicting Moonlight will win. Okay. Uh, but that Manchester by the Sea could be a dark horse. Interesting. Uh, best Picture, Comedy or Musical, 20th Century Women. Is this the one with Taraji P. Henson? Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. Who's I know, Taraji P. Henson? I, I just know I don't like her in talk shows. She's okay. very loud, but she's playing... If this is the movie I'm thinking of, she's playing uh, like a rather important historical female okay uh in I, I believe the field of science or maybe maybe astrophysics or something like that it's it's a biopic oh no i think the 21st century women i think the 20th movie, century women what i think I the thinking of? movie you're thinking about is uh oh maybe it is no because that the one you're thinking there's about also is, fences think, the black the black women with nasa i think that's yeah that's the, the one i'm thinking of. but i don't think that's 20th century okay women. all right fair enough uh, Florence Foster Jenkins, that's Meryl Streep and Hugh Grant. It's because it's Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. La La Land, Deadpool, which <laughs> I think is bullshit, honestly. Yeah. I loved Deadpool, but it's sure. it's all, it's clearly just a, I mean, we know these award shows are political, mm-hmm. and, but it, it sometimes certain nominees really draw out how campaigned something was. Right. Because it was fine. Yeah. But it wasn't a game changer. Well, and I I often wonder if it's campaigned or if it's the Academy or in this case, the Golden Globe people that Hollywood Foreign Press. That kind of say, how can we add some life to this? Yeah. Like, how can we get some of the, some of the younger kids watching? Sure. Uh, And the other one is Sing Street, which I brought up to you on the podcast the other day, I think. Yeah, you did. Wonderful movie. I'd love to watch it. That's my biggest recommendation. And I love La La Land, too. So either one of those is fine with me. Um, They say La La Land will win, but 20th Century Women could. Uh, Best Actor in a Drama, Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. That kind of seems like a shoe-in. He's like this year's Brie Larson. Remember how last year there was just no doubt about it? Uh, Joel Edgerton for Loving. Actually, he just won a, a, a Critics he, Award too. People's Choice, I think, yesterday. Was that what it was? Critics Choice was two weeks ago. And he he read, won both. And he read all of the uh, all of the bad 
um the negative reviews. reviews yeah it's pretty funny he's a cool guy i think i barring any potential um, sexual harassment exactly Joel Edgerton for Loving, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, Viggo Mortensen for Captain, Captain Fantastic. Right, which I want to see. Uh, and Denzel Washington for Fences. Casey Affleck will win. Dark Horse is Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Best Actress in a Drama, Amy Adams for Arrival. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Chastain, Miss Sloan, Isabel Hubert for Elle, Ruth Nega for Loving, Natalie Portman for Jackie. Now, I would have thought Jack- Jackie would win, Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. but... Just given how deserving of one of these awards, really an, an Oscar over a Golden Globe even. Is Jackie about Jackie O? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm sure Natalie Portman's great, but I want Amy Adams. To, I, even if she doesn't win the Globe, I want her to win the Oscar because she's been nominated like 12 times. Yeah. She's so excellent. Uh, best Director, Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Tom Ford for Nocturnal Animals, Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge, Barry Jenkins for Moonlight, Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea. I think Damien Chazelle's probably got that in the bag. It's the only one. He's the guy who's winning that award elsewhere. Yeah. Um, good start and, for and him. He, and he's from Moonlight? No, he's he's La La Land. Oh, okay. And, and Whiplash. Right, 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 right. Uh, oh, right. He also did Whiplash. I was wondering if the guy who did Whiplash also did Sing Street or La La Land. Just the two movies about jazz. Right. And his, his third movie is uh, another Ryan Reynolds movie. Ryan Reynolds is going to play Neil Armstrong in the biopic. So, Do you mean Ryan Gosling? I'm sorry. Yes, I do mean Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Okay, cool. Um, so they've got him cast, and they've got Damien Chazelle in the in the cockpit. Awesome. Best actor in a musical or comedy: Colin Farrell, The Lobster, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Hugh Grant for Florence Foster Jenkins, uh, Jonah Hill for War Dogs. This is another thing we were talking about about mm-hmm. how it's just so obvious he's an award whore. He doesn't deserve to be nominated for that movie, right? Uh, and he's a good actor. I don't want to take that mm-hmm. away from him, but it's just very clear with this one that yeah. he's out there. Well, and I said, ass. I said Entourage has ruined um, the way I think about actors because, well, the way I think about agents because yeah. I think it's always the agents that are pushing for right. these. So maybe it's his agent. Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool. Again, he's good in it and good for him for getting that movie made. Mm-hmm. But all of his dialogue was ADR. It right. was all, it was all like he was wearing a mask. He didn't do any live acting in that right. film. No. He doesn't deserve to get a golden globe. Uh, but I think it was just a courtesy nomination. Best actress in a musical or comedy, Annette Benning for 20th century women, Lily Collins for rules don't apply. Haley Steinfeld for the age of 17, Emma Stone for La La Land, Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, best screenplay. This is movie stuff. We can skip over the movie stuff. There's a lot of movie stuff. Yeah. Oh, my. They're big for movies. Yeah, I, I kind of like the award show for that reason. It's both. Yeah, it's not really known as much as a TV award show. No, but it's in there. It matters. It, it is. Oh, this doesn't have any of the, <laughs> the oh, TV nominations here. Thanks. Uh, Rolling Stone. Gloves. Rolling Stone will help us out. Uh. I have uh, got a cold or something coming on. Becky had a cold, and I should have known I would get it. My throat's been scratchy. It's been hard to get through the radio show the last few days. Yeah, I guess I never think about how much uh, your health actually matters in your job. It does. It can be really hard. I mean, it's it's fine to go on the microphone and say, listen, I'm kind of sick, so bear with me. Right. But like, it aff- what it affects more than anything is your timing. Yeah. If you have a cold, especially. Right. Uh, if you're trying to deliver a punchline or something and you're like, Ugh. and you have to breathe at a different pace than you normally would. Cause you can't, 
breathe through your nose or something. <laughs> it, it's it sounds dramatic and it sounds like a, a like a it sounds like I'm overstating it, but no, I'm not. It really messes it up. I know what you mean. It'd be really funny if like the punchline was like my cat made me sneeze and and the way you delivered it was like <laughs> my cat made me sneeze. And then it just went to commercial. Was that supposed to be a joke? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. Nominees for the Golden Globes for the best TV series of this year in the drama category. Okay. See if you notice what they all have in common. The Crown, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, This Is Us, and Westworld. Um, the Crown, Stranger Things, This Is Us, and Westworld. Massive cast. And Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones. Those are all shows we've covered on this podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm so proud. So good for us. Uh, in the comedy category, Atlanta. Nice. Transparent, Veep, Mozart of the Jungle. Nice. And Blackish. Nice. Mozart so, in the Jungle is pretty legit. I don't uh, think Blackish will win. Ever since you told me about Mozart of the Jungle, I've seen pictures of it everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. So nice. I want to check it out. Check it out. Um, miniseries, American Crime, The Dresser, The Night Manager, The Night of, People vs. OJ, American Crime Story. Um, those aren't really of any consequence. I oh. think Atlanta might win that comedy. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Because did, did Aziz win? He won the Emmy for Master of None. Oh, did he? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. this is this whole thing where they cut him off. Anyway. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, best actor in a drama, Rami Malek, Mr. Robot, Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, Matthew Reese for The Americans, Leah Schreiber, uh, D- <clears throat> Ray Donovan, Donovan, Billy Bob Thornton for Goliath. I've never heard of Goliath. Me neither. Me neither. Best, best actor in a comedy, Anthony Anderson for Blackish, Gail Garcia Barnal for Mozart of the Jungle, Donald Glover for Atlanta, Nick Nolte for Graves, and Jeffrey Tambor for Transparent. Transparent. I mean, Transparent would be the easy one to give that to. I mean, he gets the, the Emmy every single time. Yeah. But there's a point, like, Modern Family was winning for, like, five years, and then it just stopped. I think Veep's going to stop just winning soon. I think it really should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> best actress, because at some point it's not doing anything new. No, exactly. You know? Although Veep has an opportunity to be uh, oh, have a heightened level of satire in this coming interesting political climate. That's true. And it can be as cutting edge as it wants to be, I think. And Modern Family can't because right. the whole premise of that show is how wholesome it is. Yeah. Uh, best actress in a TV series drama. Uh, oh, my goodness. Ugh. Catriona K- K- Balf. Outlander. <laughs> Claire Foy, The, Fr- the Crown. She plays... Uh, QE2? Yep. Kara Russell, The Americans, Winona Ryder for Stranger Things, Evan Rachel Wood for Westworld. Interesting. Good nominees there. Who for Stranger Things? Uh, Winona Ryder. Oh, wow. Beck jo- Be- <laughs> <laughs> Best Actress in a Comedy Series, Rachel Bloom for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I want to watch that. Yeah. I want us to check that out. Mm-hmm. Julia Louis-Dreyfus for Veep, Sarah Jessica Parker for Divorce, Isaac Ray for Insecure, Isaac Ray, Issa Ray. Gina Rodriguez, okay. Jane the Virgin, Tracy Ellis Ross, Blackish. I can't talk anymore tonight. Uh, and I think those are like the main TV ones we have to look out for. Uh, oh, supporting. Supporting actress in a TV show. Let's hear it. Uh, Olivia Coleman, The Night Manager. Lena nope. Hetty for Game of Thrones. Chrissy Metz, This Is Us. Mandy Moore, This Is Us. Tandy Newton, Westworld. And uh, best actor in a, in a supporting role. This goes on and on. Uh, Sterling K. Brown, The People versus O.J., Hugh Laurie, The Night Manager, and John Lithgow, The Crown, Christian Slater, Mr. Robot, John Travolta, The People versus O.J. 
Interesting. It's kind of it's kind of just mirroring the Emmys, isn't it? Which was a while ago at this a little point. Bit. So it doesn't feel especially fresh. Like the only the only newcomer since then is This Is Us. Maybe Stranger Things. Stranger maybe Stranger Things, Things wasn't so yep. so in for the nominations at the Emmys. Yeah, I don't think it was. But um yeah, it'll be interesting. Hosted by Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Falloon. It's interesting that that show used to be the edgy one. Right. Like, this is the one where we're willing to go a little edgy. Yeah. And now they got the most vanilla guy ever to host that show. And Jimmy Kimmel does have a little edge. Yeah. Although he won't he won't go Ricky Gervais. He won't be right. mean. He'll just be kind of uh, sly. But it's just ABC versus NBC, too, right? That's right. That's right. But if you wanted to have some edge and color commentary, Seth Meyers would be great at that job. Sure. Yeah, that's true. It's just not as much of a, you know... It's not as much of a ratings zenith at this point because it's just not as big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I I get that there's a draw in Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Um, And he's off this week, I guess, prepping for that show. I'll definitely watch it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And then after that. Is that this Sunday? It's this Sunday. Okay. Oscar noms uh, two weeks from now, I think. Two weeks Mm -hmm. from Monday. Yep. And uh, that'll be interesting to see. I'm going to try to watch as many of the Oscar movies as I can this year. I usually can't because there's usually like one that's just too graphic. Mm -hmm. Last year, it was The Revenant. This year, it's going to be Hacksaw Ridge, but I'll otherwise do my best. Yeah, Hacksaw Ridge, I find really funny that it's it ended up actually being an Oscar contender. Yeah. Just because Andrew Garfield's accent throughout the whole thing seems so ridiculous. Does it? Did it, you watch it? It's kind of like, I don't know how. Like, it's like a really, really enhanced Southern accent. When I don't you, think I knew that you, know you saw the, the movie. Like Australian. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. No, I'm just talking about the trailers. I just wonder if maybe he worked really hard to get that accent right, even if it's kind of over the top. Yeah. Like, you remember when he played Eduardo Saverin? Like, how subtle that Colombian-American accent was? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, he definitely cared. Right. So I don't know if he flippantly chose the Southern accent carelessly. Well, it was to the point that I don't think I noticed the subtle Colombian accent at all. You hear it sometimes. Really? Yeah, very subtly. But I think it was well done. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And the other reason it got nominated is because it's the comeback of Mel Gibson and it's a rah-rah America movie. Sure. Yeah, I wonder if they mentioned anything about the Holocaust in it. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. They probably we need to go fight the Germans <laughs> for reasons we can't really explain, but there's definitely a territorial issue. They probably skirt past that issue. Yeah. Oh, God. I think I got to call it quits, buddy. My throat is like on fire. Yeah, hey, that's cool. It was like 45 minutes. Yeah, it was about 45 minutes. I might be able to get back and watch another episode of the OA. I guess you can do that, yeah. Mm. This is the shortest episode we've ever done. I'm sorry. That's fine. We did it. We did fine. Oh, I wanted to say my favorite moment in the OA, my favorite line anyway, just because I thought it was a beautiful piece of dialogue. When she's getting grilled by the feds the first yep. the first time she's come back, and they mention her having disappeared, and she says, I didn't disappear. I was present for all of it. Right. And I was like, that's a fucking great line. Yeah. Because that's a word we use all the time when somebody goes missing. Right. They didn't go missing to them. The, yeah. They were experiencing trauma, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was present for all of it. Yeah, I just thought it was And like, what are the scars from? Ah, the, back, the mysterious back scars. Well, isn't it weird that the back scars that she had, I think, kind of matched up with what were on that like gypsy lady in heaven's face. Or oh, I didn't catch dimension. that. It seemed like they were kind of like triangular little things. So I'm wondering if every time she goes to the other dimension, she has to be punished with something. Like, I'm going to take your eyesight. No, yeah, maybe scared. it's like that. Maybe it wears on her to yeah. go back and forth between dimensions. Right. And it seems like at the end of the show, she might be going into another dimension because she needs five people that are strong and flexible phyllis somehow falls into that category <laughs> it's like all right 
we have we have five young men all around like she's made a point of saying a couple of times they have to be strong and flexible like you let's get the weakest character in tv history yeah to try to like i don't know if they're gonna have to lift her somewhere or what but yes, uh, I definitely caught on to that. No wonder it was a surprise when she walked up the stairs. Like, we were all expecting a young, handsome, fucking strong, flexible person. Yeah. Uh, that is so funny. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that actress not too long ago, about how she probably never has to work again. Like, she had a pretty minor role on a long-running sitcom. Yeah. But that they kept her around meant they were paying her after a certain amount of time, paying her pretty well, and mm-hmm. primetime television pays well but she also was a supporting character in a pixar movie and that shit oh yeah pays. god she was so unbearable in that pixar she was movie. unbearable in that movie yeah. and <laughs> but in, th- i in, think that's in, what uh, she's inside out is like a reddit darling and it won the oscar and everybody seemed to think that it was like a life-changing movie and i thought it was melodramatic mm-hmm. and reckless and obnoxious <laughs> to watch yeah it wasn't amazing also a quick distinction that i want to draw when we were talking about the office i started thinking of parks and rec and you mentioned reddit and on reddit the other day I saw a mouse rat video. Wow. For 5,000 Candles in the Wind. Oh, that's the, the song. The little Sebastian tribute. <laughs> yeah. I laughed so hard. And I didn't even know that. I wasn't even positive that little Sebastian died in the show. Like, I haven't watched the the whole show. Oh, yeah. It's like a heartbreaking. It's, it's But I had, I had the song stuck in my head this morning in the shower. <laughs> Yo, 5,000 <laughs> Candles in the Wind. I, I love Andy's singing voice. Yeah. I, I, he has a beautiful way. And that's why the character works. He has this beautiful way of like turning everything into something like authentically heartfelt. Right. Yeah, that's a great moment. Except it's unbearable because it's devastating that little Sebastian died. Yeah. <laughs> they bring out a little Sebastian mascot. <laughs> and Adam Scott's just in the crowd. like kind Not of getting not it understanding what's happening at all well thank you for that that's always a positive way to end the show with a little parks and rec reference yeah all right i'm gonna try not to be sick next week yeah try to drink some water get some fluids in you have some echinacea have some vitamin c have some methadone have some oxycontin have some a little (laughs) cocktail of something that might knock you out for a couple days maybe you wake up feeling better maybe you'll od who knows we'll find out next week on the show show with sweets and slaney never trust will smith definitely not